Mad Chatter acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Wait, what's this podcast called again? Mad Chatter. Hmm. One, two, three. Episode four, baby. Woo! Technically episode (laughs) seven. (laughs) Guys, because this is New Year, New Us, we're going to be transparent and this is a re-record because... Shock, we had technical difficulties. <sighs> you get deja vu. <laughs> Why is that on the way here? Crazy. The problem. So we're the problem. We are the problem. <laughs> Guys, so it might take us a while to warm up into this one because we're all a bit hating life. But you know what? That's what the long weekend's for. It's Easter Saturday. And when I thought about my Easter weekend, <laughs> I did not think about sitting in this room. And I should, I should preference when I said that's what the long weekend's for. It's not for hating life. <laughs> it's for re-record. But boy, do we have a big show for you installed today. Like, massive. Huge. Turner? Ginormous. <laughs> I've actually just got a little, I've just thought of this. I've got a little bone to pick with you, Media Maddie, about, and I, uh, I'm conscious of not being, like, disrespectful Ooh. with this comment because okay. <laughs> you were doing us something as a service and... Where are I you going with this? I'm, so I am shitting myself. It, there's two parts to the story. A, it shows that I don't actually read the things that we post on Mad Chatter sometimes. And secondly, I should more often because Jessica Anstis, oh no. who is a West Coast favorite player, for those who don't know, we're coming up against oh no. her on the weekend, but this did episode will be released after. You, you wrote the wrong your. No, I did not. And she was not happy. Oh, that's so. So you did. I think you did Y O U R when it was meant to be the Y O U apostrophe R E. All right. For the record, guys, I don't do many things right in my life, but I think I always get that right. So that's shame. That's an oxymoron. I think I always. How about I just leave? (laughs) So we can't get the podcast right. We can't get our grammar right. I'd rather get that you're wrong than the other way around. Does that make sense? Like I'd rather underuse the apostrophe. I'm trying to help you out here. Actually, you know what? Mm. Jess answer, say it to my face. <laughs> <laughs> or at least via her Instagram. Don't go through me and make me have to have these tough conversations. Does she even listen to the pod? Probably not. Yeah. Actually, that's well, she I follows thought. us, so that's a big call. Thanks, Actually, Jess. do you know who didn't follow us is Sarah Clow until like two days ago. <laughs> I learned the thing. It's like, Sarah Clow follows you. And I was like, oh, is this on my main account? And I was like, the man, well, which would have been worse? She's probably been my main account or my main account. But I was disappointed. <laughs> I just have this thing of you realising she doesn't follow your main account. <laughs> what have we been doing? You know, it wouldn't surprise me. I was a pretty bad housemate. <laughs> she definitely follows Sophie Fawns. Foreshadowing. <laughs> anyway, um, guys, we're just going to get jump straight into it today. As we've discussed, the Easter Bunny is coming very, very soon. So, But once this episode's released, it's already would have come. But that's okay. <laughs> I hope everyone got lots of chocolate. Quarter two time, guys, and we have our first guest of the season. In the red corner, weighing in at not much probably, <laughs> um, we have our first guest for season 2023. She is, she, that's your number one spoiler, is the pride of Wagga Wagga, a place so nice they named it twice. And this podcast is so nice we recorded it twice <laughs> and hence the delirium. She is the smiling assassin. She is the sharp shooter. She is the fun fact phenomenon. She is... The one, the only, Sophie, I already forgot your middle name, even though you told me the last time we recorded this. Margaret. Fawns. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Thanks for having me, guys. Again. Welcome back. <laughs> I've actually got a theory. I think Sophie Fawns <laughs> sabotaged the recording of episode one, well, episode four, part one, take one, because she had such a good time. She spent about three hours in the studio with us. She pretty much took over and had her own segment 
well, segment slash show. Um, and I think she just wanted to do it all again. But welcome yeah. back. I've so been thinking about it since I was here last. <laughs> she <laughs> wants to improve. Did you give yourself some feedback? What was your feedback from last time? Uh, I definitely thought about my intro a lot more. <laughs> about so you thought about say, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually been saying at training how um, being a bit self-absorbed is a shooter thing. <laughs> and that's fitting. So, Sophie, since you've been thinking about it so much. <laughs> no, I can't remember anything that I wanted to edit. Though, She's so also been fact-checking a lot. Oh, I, I just had to double-check my facts. Because she didn't want to get slammed. My fun facts. But <laughs> Matt Turner can say that every fact that I wrote down was not looked up previously to double-fact-checking it. Just make sure it's right because Jess Anstice is really going to be on the case. <laughs> now, Sophie, I think last time I'm, – I'm, I'm torn right now between trying to, like, repeat the interview we did last time because we put it on such a pedestal. We went around the train. Like, I think we all just had a bit of a feeling something was going to go wrong because we went to training the next day and we're saying it was our best podcast yet. Like, we're going to go oh. viral if we're ever going to make it. It's going to be it. Media Maddie went back to Nova and started selling the shit out of this episode. <laughs> and then we didn't end up getting a – we got a corrupt file. Um, but the, th- the thing that you spoke about first last time was how you had a few questions about the podcast because Sophie oh, has been our yes. number one listener. Yes. for a long, long time. Yes. My um, quick cue, as I called it. Was <laughs> <laughs> She's even naming her segments now. <laughs> Tell me you're too comfortable without telling me. <laughs> My quick cue was <laughs> when you say perfect podcasts don't exist at the end, do you cut yourself off or does Media Maddie edit it? And as I said last time, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to answer a question without prefacing it with that. Um, I got great gratitude and joy from your comment with that because it made me realise that I'm obviously a better actor than I thought because I do cut myself off. Um, so, yeah, that's a great question, Soph. And, yes, I'm a great actress. And as the QBE ad that we did the other day told me, um, we're better actors than the Swans boys. Except which... Maddie did get the feedback that she was overacting. So <laughs> Okay, quick question. Question for the listeners, would you rather overact or underact? If you overact, you can always cut it back. <laughs> I also love that you love that question so much that you've made Sophie ask it probably like three times. <laughs> it's the only part about the interview that I remember. Nothing else. Nothing else. All right, Soph, enough of this nonsense. We're going to get to more of your cues later. I think we're going to have some cues for you right now. But we've heard the story and we love the story, but we have to get the people in on your story. So tell us a bit about you. Hi, everyone. My name's... <laughs> Not a call and response, I thought, Sophie. I <laughs> thought you had worked worked on this. <laughs> I forgot. My name's Sophie Margaret Fawns. Margaret, the you, Maddie Pratt, <laughs> <my name. laughs> Don't forget. Um, I was born in Wagga Wagga on the 21st of the 11th, 2003. It was a bright, sunny day and people were smiling everywhere when Sophie came into the world. Yeah. It still gives me the ick every time you say 2003. Sorry. Sorry. Um, that also makes me a uh, Scorpio. Does that my mean anything to anyone? <laughs> no. Uh, she, she likes asked for my star sign. Crabs? Is that what a Scorpio is? A scorpion. scorpion. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Because the Cancer one's a a crab, isn't it? Yes. Why have we got scorpion crabs and scorpions going on? (laughs) I think Tuesday's a better day for recording (laughs) than Saturdays. (laughs) Anyway, so go on. Tell me. Tell us about your fam. Uh, Yes, I've got three sisters. So two older sisters, one younger. Um, I've got two dogs. Their names are Teddy and Lucy. Teddy's really fluffy. Collie and Lucy's a Jack Russell. She's really old now, but that's okay. She's really old. She's like 27. (laughs) Get out, Sophie. So what was little Soph like as a kid and then going into primary school out in Wagga Wagga? 
Yeah, I don't really remember that much of primary school, not going to lie, but high school, I feel like year seven and eight, I was maybe a bit quirky. Quirky is a better way to <laughs> describe than weird. But yeah, a bit quirky. And then as I got older, getting more into the sport and my netball, I think I became a bit more, in quotation marks, normal. So netball made you cool. Netball made me cool, everyone. <laughs> Tell us what your sporting endeavours were before netball because you weren't always a netty gal. No, I wasn't always a netty gal. I did pretty much every sport. So I did um, dance for 11 years and the year that I... <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered it was fizzy. Yeah, fizzy, yeah. fizzy. So I did fizzy, um, did basketball, water polo, um, touch, like just wanted to put my hand up for everything pretty much. And then, but I started playing netball when I was 10. So then probably took it more seriously, like when I turned 14, 15. Yeah. Can we see pictures of you in the fizzy costumes? Guys, it does not look good <laughs> when I'm older because I look hella lanky. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like you and Sarah Claire have so much in common. She was a fizzy or calisthenics girl, as we call it in South Australia. You're both <laughs> musicians. Um, are you just best friends in the household now? She bullies me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we are very similar. I love it. <laughs> Who do you think is more similar, Helen and Sophie or Sarah and Sophie? Ooh. I Helen think likes long walks on the beach. <laughs> fun fact about animals. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah likes the music. I think that Sophie and Helen are more similar. Like I think Sophie and Helen are a lot quirkier, like if that makes sense, whereas mm. I think Sarah is a bit more normal. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll take it. Wrap this up. Fair enough. Quirky is cool. I'm quirky man's with leadership qualities. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give everyone some background, we once did a photo shoot day for Swifts and everyone had like a pose that they had to do and it was like 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 a, what was yours Turner like kind of like cheeky Turner or something yeah. like that. Um other people had like um you know like Helen yeah, strong Helen or like you know celebrating her, Helen and mine was quirky mads with leadership <laughs> qualities and I was like how do you what does one put that in a photo <laughs> so if anyone has any pose ideas Maddie send them through send them. what would Sophie's be Sophie's be like cute Soph with fun facts <laughs> anyway back to the questions um so tell us a little bit, bit about your family life you've obviously got four sisters is that right three so sisters. you're one of four sorry so there's four <laughs> sisters in the house you're one of Maddie listening come on um, <laughs> <laughs> we have done this twice. My mind's in all places. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit, a bit about that family dynamic. And who's your favourite? Uh, I can't say favourite anymore because, well, last podcast I said my favourite, but I can't because they all know that I'm on the podcast now and they said they'd listen. So, <sighs> my bad. It was um, Katie. Yes. Three <laughs> more <laughs> listens. <laughs> that makes it five. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so younger sister, her name's Katie. She's... Um, finishing year 12 and I'm trying to convince her to move to Sydney but we, it was always like Olivia and Christine so they're the two older ones oh <laughs> <laughs> sorry don't text and podcast <laughs> sorry I just look over at Maddie first typing a mobile number in while you're talking what are you doing are you calling the cops <laughs> someone arrest us because this podcast is too good <laughs> Also, we're not drinking. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> we're not drinking. I think I'm just hungry. That's why I was trying to reply to a message because Daniel just texted me saying, am I going to get lunch or am I waiting for you to get home? <laughs> I was going to text saying, make sure there's something for me when I get home. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Soph, continue. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so Christina's the oldest and then Liv, then it goes me and Katie. Um, so I feel like when growing up, it was always like Olivia and Christina, you know, because they're older than us, like – Nap time was always them get to play Barbies and Katie and I have to go to nap time. But 
put in separate rooms. I think that's where my FOMO started. <laughs> Actually. This is a really difficult thing for you to discuss. Are you okay going through this? <laughs> were you there yesterday when we were talking about my FOMO? No. no. It was a really in-depth conversation about my FOMO and what it is and if I actually have it. I like to be very involved in things, maybe hence that's why I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we'll say that in the house now, I'm the last to close my door when we say goodnight because I'm like, no one else be doing anything. It's bedtime. <laughs> I can make sure everyone else is in bed and then I oh, I remember bed. being 19 and <laughs> wanting to stay up late. <laughs> Too much energy this one. I can vouch that she does that. I didn't know that's why though. Now I'm just going to keep my door open. I think like, don't because I will not go to bed. <laughs> So if we, I'm going to skip through a little bit of high school because I'm going to come back to your, your netty career and where that all started and stuff because yes. I wanted to get into a couple of stories that you told us the other day. Oh. Now you're in uni. She's a uni gal. So tell us what you're studying and tell us how, how that's going and you know exactly what I mean. Yes, I'm a uni gal now. So I study a Bachelor of Science um, at UNSW and uh, science kids are weird, man. <laughs> Again, she is one of these. Uh, <laughs> yes, but I'm not... Okay, I'm quirky, not weird. What's the they difference? They are weird. My story time. <laughs> <laughs> first story is my very first lab. We'll come up with a different name. I feel bad for talking about this person. I thought you were going to say his not. name. I feel bad for so-and-so, but I'll call him this name. <laughs> no, what we say, we're going to call him Derek. <laughs> okay. I did not say Do you know I what I think of him now? I think of Psycho Derek from One Tree Hill. Oh, I think of no. McDreamy. Oh, that's a nice. So it's my first day at uni. So if he has no friends. In a lab. I've got no friends. I don't but know. But it's your anyone. first day, of course you don't have any friends. Yeah. Exactly. So, she will so this day is about making them. friends. Or trapping right? them. <laughs> Can I just ask you? So we ended up asking, but like, did you wake up that morning and go, I'm going to uni, it's my first day. My goal is to make a friend. Well, I wouldn't say I thought of it like that, but I definitely needed a friend because I'm not very good at chemistry. And this was chemistry class. So she needed no, to use a friend. No, the subject chemistry, <laughs> not love chemistry. She's just looked at Maddie everyone because Maddie, Maddie, Maddie asked that question last time <laughs> and we had a full discussion about chemistry versus chemistry. <laughs> and Sophie has no issues with the sure latter apparently. What do you mean chemistry <laughs> and chemistry? <laughs> it's day one. I'm in the lab and this lab's all about like getting to know the the lab where everything is safety stuff and then doing a really easy experiment. So then we have to pair up and do like a collab worksheet. Anyway, so I turned to him and I just like put out my hand. I'm like, hi, my name's Sophie. And he's like, hi, my name's Derek. He's <laughs> <laughs> not Derek, but I love it. <laughs> so then we're like doing the collab sheet, whatever, and then doing the experiment. The three-hour lab's over. I'm like, hey, do I be friends? And he was like, yeah, sure, I don't have any friends, so now we're friends. Because he can't say no. Tomatoes, yeah, but, like, I wasn't – anyway, I I don't know. I didn't think it was that weird. Now it was that quirky. I, <laughs> now looking back, yeah, that would be a bit weird. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, do you want to be my friend? Like, I feel like the, the – No, but it, but it wasn't like I had not talked to him for the past three hours. But I feel like doesn't that just warrant you being – like, I don't think it's a thing. It's not like you're asking – like, it's like, oh, do you want to be my boyfriend? It's not like that. It's like friendship is something that evolves. You don't need to ask for it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think like I've ever uni, asked. It's like if you're not saying you're going to be friends, you're just acquaintances. You could have said something like, oh, do you want to like help each other out? Like, do you want to do like, you know what, Soph, I'm happy for you. Each their own. This is why argue. you've got a lot more friends than I do. <laughs> Continue. because this, this is story. the only person I've done to. Anyways, so then we're like... <laughs> Um, I was like, oh, I need to go to Officeworks and get a binder for my lab manual. Do you want to come? And he was like, yeah, sure. 
whatever. So we get in the car. Everyone says that it was not a good idea to get in the car with him, but I'm the driver. So do you think she he should him? be more scared of me. Could you actually take him? Yeah, he's a beanpole. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like to six, you. He's like six foot four and so skinny. I Sorry, uh, we're, we're asking what he looks like, not what you look like. <laughs> well played. She's back. She's back. <laughs> Lunch is sorted. <laughs> anyway, so then we're going to office works, whatever. I'm like making conversation in the car while we're listening to music. I'm like, talking about Harry Styles and Taylor Swift, whatever. And then I like bring up Rule. I'm like, oh, um, I really want to see this person Rule, but, you know, we've got our derby the next day and I don't want to like – stuff that up so we're not going to see the concert and he's like oh that's a shame like we could have gone together and I was like oh something tells me you wouldn't have actually asked him to be your friend I think he would have wanted to be it anyway by the sounds of it yeah a little bit (laughs) and then we're like I was like oh I'll just drop you home um I feel like you're sending really mixed signals to this boy poor Derek (laughs) so did you drop him home yes I dropped him home he didn't live far from office works so we're driving there whatever he's like do you want to come meet my dog and I was like oh uh my parents aren't home yeah and then he was like oh like my parents aren't home you can come inside and I was like, mm, I'll just meet the dog at the front gate. So I patted the dog. His name's Ruby. Then I got in the car and drove away. Ruby is the real name. It's not a fake name for the dog. Ruby is the real so name. So now you've blown yes. your cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So is the friendship with Derek still alive? The friendship with Derek is still alive. He wanted yeah. to come to our fan There was day. a little bit. Yeah, he did want to come to our fan day. And I don't know. Oh, and he asked me to get food one time after uni. And I was like... Oh, sorry, I'm busy. And you did ask him to be his friend, so I'm confused as to yeah, why you wouldn't want to go get food with him. Friend. And there was an awkward hug, oh. which Sophie turned into a high five. What? <laughs> yeah, so we went to the library after the lab because I had to do some work. <laughs> and then we were leaving and he went for a hug and I was like, just waved at him. Bye. And turned oh. around and left. You so. are a terrible person. <laughs> she palmed him off. Can you tell us about your other interesting encounter? Okay, this one is a real name because he deserves this hate. <laughs> Jess Anstis, get ready. <laughs> Got him really often now. Oh, that was the other thing. Yeah, Derek changed his tute time to be the same time as mine. Oh, uh, yeah. Again. But your friends. <laughs> you invited him to office work. You invited him like for a drive home. You're sending mixed signal. Maybe you should have so. changed his name to Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this kid, Jordan, where I'm going to my tute and I only know Derek there. So I go and sit at his table and this uh, kid, Jordan's like, oh, come sit next to me. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like, okay, more friends, you know. So I go sit, ne- <laughs> so I go sit next to him and then he was like, what's your greatest fear? And I thought that was a bit of a weird opening question. But I was like, oh, give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, skip the small talk, whatever. And I was like, oh, I want to hear his deepest fear first. So I said, what's your greatest fear? And then he goes, oh, dying alone. And I said, like, no relationships, no friends. And he was I like, no, you prodded it. Like, <laughs> tell me more. Like, your therapist. Let's unpack this. <laughs> and he was like, no, like, physically dying alone. And I was like, ah, oh, a bit weird, but whatever. So with that, is he saying that, like, he wants someone to go like die at the same time as him or is he just saying no, that he no, wants someone by like, his side? Like 
he would like be in a room and have a heart attack. So he's not a dying alone. Okay. There's people. <laughs> he, he wants to scar people basically. When he dies, he wants other people to witness it. A lot to unpack in that. Yeah, moment. I know. That was the first red flag. <laughs> so what was your response? Oh, my response was my greatest fear is being human trafficked. <laughs> So specific. So we're not laughing about this human traffic. It's just so random. It's more just like you could have said anything. You could be like, oh, my deepest fear is – you could have gone I, – I, you could have said anything or you could have said, oh, I'm scared of spiders. I would have said spiders. Yeah, but and you're going to – But that is my greatest fear. You know what, Sophie, kudos to you for being honest. Well done. Like the fact that you thought about – yeah. Yeah, I don't want a yucky or yum. If you want to say human trafficking, you say human trafficking. But his response. His response was oh. – Oh, wow, you'd be prime real estate for human trafficking. Look at you. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, thank you. What a pick-up line. <laughs> and so sweet. And then he um, asked if when I go out, if boys ask me to step on them because I'm so tall. And I said, oh. <laughs> Is that like a foot fetish? I don't <laughs> Is that a kink? Yeah, exactly. You should start an OnlyFans account, Sophie, where you go and stomp on boys. <laughs> I said, I don't go out much. I don't really like boys either. They, they kind of gross me out a bit. And then she, he said, Oh, so you're a lesbian? And I said, no, but I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I wish there was a fly on the wall. (laughs) This is the other bit that I forgot to tell you last week was then he took a photo of me. I said, like, the teacher was like, take a photo of the board. And I was like, someone whip out their phone and take a photo of the board. And he whips out his phone and puts it to me and takes a photo. And I was like, oh, that is so weird. And then he gave me his home address in Perth and told me a bit of his life story and about this girl he was hooking up with. And I was like, this is, we're not friends. What's he doing? With See the how I didn't you? ask him. I don't consider him a friend. <laughs> I didn't ask to be friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tick that box and said, will he be my friend? Yes, no, maybe. I consider now, him a suspect. Now I see why she asked me to be friends so she doesn't get exactly. confused with the other ones. Yeah, I guess I've never been in a science degree, so maybe things work differently there. <laughs> he does earth science though. That's like top tier weird. And like, <laughs> di- like digging holes for bodies? No, like looks at rocks. Yeah. I need to know where the earth is the best uh, for me to dig up quickly and get yeah. out of there. All right. Well, before we Don't get into any more stalker, Ted Bundy kind of Zodiac stories, we're going to have a break and we're going to come back with Sophie and actually get into some uh, some netty chat. Now, Sophie Fawns, we've just had some fun and we're going to have some more fun with you after. It'd be amiss of us not to get into your little netball journey because it has been quite the journey for and it's crazy because you're so young still. Like, I only just realised you're 19. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, <laughs> but so much has happened in so little time. So please tell us how it all kind of started to get real for you. Yeah, so I started probably – so I started netball when I was 10, just playing with school friends and whatnot. And then – sorry, can't look at Maddie. <laughs> sorry, sorry, if you just said in the break, though, that she's <laughs> – because when we were recording this, she's saying that she just wants to get the same reactions from last time and she keeps looking at me and I'm just, just like, I just need to make sure you're laughing. And so I'm really focused now. Sorry, I was a bit distracted earlier about the food thing, but now I'm focused. I'm going to laugh at your jokes. But Sophie, also, you know what? You don't need validation from me because you are great in your own right and you are perfect just the way you are. And um, with that though, 10 sorry, is actually quite sorry, old yes. to start Netball. Yes, 10 is quite old to start Netball, I feel like, compared to everyone else that I was um, playing with. So I started with just some school friends. Um, they just wanted to put in a team, play for fun. And then from there I was asked to um, go for trials for rep and go for trials for academy. Um, and I was saying like last week when I first decided that I wanted to play netball professionally was when I was at an academy camp and 
you girls were playing a preseason game against the Roses and I like recorded all your warm up and I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, they're so cool. And I'd literally like never been into netball or like no knew any of the plays or anything. And I was like, I'm obsessed with the Swifts now. And I was really obsessed with the warm up. So you must have been really into <laughs> so it. That's very niche. <laughs> very quirky. <laughs> I was really into it. Anyways. Um, and then so that same year I went, someone said like, just put up your hands for state trial. So mum was like, just have a go. Um, doesn't really matter if you don't get into it, whatever. It's fine. Um, so yeah, there was three phases and then it was probably... Once I got into the squads, it was like two weekends of squad camp. And then probably then that's when I realised, like, I actually really do want to make the state team and play netball professionally and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, did nationals. Well, my only year of nationals was 2019. But COVID team. God, that's yes. so I, that, the impact that, that must have had. Sorry, this is just like a side netball comment is like ridiculous. Like I think about how many years, like when I was playing, you could sometimes played up. Like age levels as well. So you'd have a year where you'd play like, Maddie, you probably played like 19s and 21s in the same year. Now they don't even have 21s. Like, I reckon I played about seven years worth of nationals. I was going to say, I won oh, five of them. Yeah. <laughs> and to think that somebody's only been able to play one. It's yeah. sad. So I played 2019 and then, yeah, 2020 and 21 were COVID. And then I was supposed to play last year, but obviously got called up um, a few girls, which I much rather prefer. <laughs> <laughs> um, with your netball though, sorry, you know how you said that you started at 10 and tw- like, you know, then when yeah. you got to 11, 12, yeah. like people asked you to go and try it for reps. Did you like, did you know that you were good at netball or was it more like you just did it and then people were like, oh, you should go and trial for this. Was that a shock to you or did you always know that you had something? Yeah, I, I feel like because I was tall and fast, I feel like most people don't ever expect you to be fast when you're really tall. Um, so then I always had like a bit of skill and I, can pick up things like quite naturally I feel like but I was always more into dance and I'm um, like doing swimming and water polo and like running and stuff more than I was into the netball and it was like purely for fun um and then I think when I just started making teams I again it was just like, oh this is just fun and all that kind of stuff but um yeah so when I was at the academy camp I was at a regional academy camp in 2018 um and I won player of the tournament because of like Anita Keelan came and watched us and Anita was the Swifts coach for you, Swifts assistant coach for you guys at the time. Um, And then, yeah, she brought me in to Aussies in 2019, like put my name forward as a reserve. Um, And then in 2020, that was my first pre-season with you girls, which was really exciting. (laughs) It's so crazy to think though how like one person can sort of like have such an impact on you. Like it's cool that Anita did that. But then also like you said, like having your mum to like – you know, encourage you to do that because as we were saying earlier, like Wagga is how many hours? Five from? hours. Yeah. So that's a big commitment. So how many times a week were you commuting into Sydney? So how did that all work? Yeah, so when I made the state team, we were going up from pretty much like November to April um, every weekend. And then in year 11, I was probably coming up, yeah, probably again once a week from again November to maybe like July this time basically until COVID shut down everything. Um, and then in 21, I was decided like to stay with mum while she got her treatment for three weeks at a time to do my netball and then to stay with her. So I was probably like, I think my attendance rate at school <laughs> through the whole year was like probably 70%, but there was like a term where it was only at like 48% or something. But you still got into that but science I degree. Science degree, everyone. <laughs> You were saying the other day, Same school kids, just like on <laughs> yeah, that school, on that schedule. What was you? What were you doing for Prem League? Oh yes, I was. So Prem Leagues are on Wednesday night. Um, so in year eleven, that's when I first got into Prem League. 
um, and because of COVID and everything. So I would travel up. I would leave school at lunchtime around one o'clock, drive up for the game at seven um, and then drive home after the game. So we'd get home at like one or two in the morning. Yeah, it depends. Sometimes we'd like our game time depending when we played. Is that when you practice driving? Like, were you on your L's then? <laughs> I was on my L's then. <laughs> a lot of country hours up. <laughs> she goes back into the RT after three, wait, three weeks being like, guys, my hours are done. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I think my first weekend I had more hours than someone who'd had their licence for a month more than me. <laughs> Crazy. Doesn't surprise me. I think it's cool. interesting actually, like, Sophie, you're probably part of a really niche group that you were one of the, um, you know, age groups that was doing sort of year 11 and 12 throughout that COVID period and obviously trying to play sport as well. I don't know if you can answer this without kind of having more years of hindsight, but do you feel like that time in COVID sort of impacted your development either like academically or from a netball perspective or do you think in your situation it actually helped you? Like how would you sort of reflect on those couple of years? Yeah, I think schooling-wise like it was pretty good um, because like everyone had to become flexible and I feel like in year 10 I was already doing a bit of online schooling um, and then like at the start of yeah year 11 going into Sydney all the time. So I was already sort of used to the online school. Um, in terms of netball, I feel like because back at home, because living regionally, we weren't in lockdown for as long as you guys, especially in 21. Like I think we only went into lockdown for three weeks or something when everyone else was in lockdown for months. Um, so I feel like netball wise, it was a bit hard. My weak little muscles couldn't get to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> so my home gym uh, <laughs> Did okay, but <laughs> um, doing that bit and just like finding different ways to stay fit. But I feel like having the family home as well was so good. Um, that everyone, so my two older sisters live in Canberra and they both came home for lockdown, which was really nice. I think if like you haven't been living with your sisters though, and for everyone to come at home once, I feel like normal families again, you're quirky, um, <laughs> would like implode a little bit or like get on each other's nerves for that long and things like that. But I think you were saying that it actually helped you guys or like. Yeah, nice. yeah. I feel like we all get along so well too. And like Olivia was studying, Christina was just finishing uni, starting her new job, all that kind of stuff. And like Katie and I are still in school. So it was like during the, the school periods, you'd still be in your own rooms doing school. And then afterwards it was like normal life uh, to a degree. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's like, yeah, you probably look back now and think that's probably a time that you really do cherish that you had all of your family together because you had for like such a, a long time considering that, yeah, then you all sort of went – yeah, separate ways. separate ways, yeah. No, it was really nice. So tell us about that first day at Swift's training when Anita brought you in. How What was going through your little, little mind? Yeah, I remember, like, um, so obviously watch you girls, like, play, well, on watched online, but, like, watch you girls play in the grand final. Um, and then, yeah, coming in, I think it was really special that I got asked to train with, like, the premiership winning team. Um, so I stayed with Anita for those, I think it was, like, three or four weeks, and I was saying she... <laughs> fed me muesli and yogurt which I really dislike but <laughs> it's fine it's also such a neat thing it. to not like be like oh so do you like muesli like just be like here's your breakfast have a good have a good one like I mean beautiful of her to be giving you the breakfast eat up, eat up. yeah, yeah thank she's you. being grateful <laughs> she's actually lactose intolerant as well <laughs> allergic to oats yeah. <laughs> um yeah and I remember like in the car with her and I was like she was like oh are you like how are you feeling and I was like oh I'm actually freaking out like I'm actually really hungry <laughs> <laughs> that too um but I was like oh I'm really freaking out like these girls are so cool and I just like you know like coming from the country like still playing outdoor netball all that kind of stuff and I was like oh my god I'm gonna like I'm gonna die when I go to training I've only got my outdoor netball shoes not my indoor <laughs> netball shoes <laughs> they've got no grip on them <laughs> um and I was yeah I think very scared for the training because I obviously haven't been of the only like environment I've replicated that was state training but that's still not the 
same as what you girls were doing and Helen was my biggest my biggest idol at the time. Still is. So. <laughs> Still is, yeah. Whatever, don't tell her that. <laughs> we we said tell this, her. I, well, we said this the other day, but it's very much the Minus Lover Shane and Steve Smith relationship of the netball world. If you ever need to find yeah. Sophie, just find Helen. <laughs> <laughs> that was really niche. Watch the test on Amazon Prime now. <laughs> um, and that's not a paid sponsorship. So I know you've got two of them here, but and I know you were just saying you like you idolised Helen, but who was someone that you really gravitated towards or who kind of took you under their wing, did you feel? You know, when I hated them all, they were all so mean. <laughs> or who didn't take you under their wing? <laughs> no, I think, like, Sam probably took me under her wing the most, um, which I was really grateful for. But I feel like everyone, like, I remember coming in and everyone gave me a hug and introduced themselves and I was like, wow, these are actually, like, normal people. <laughs> Right so down to earth, um, which was, yeah, so cool. But I think Sam probably took me the most under her wing. She's probably the I most mother-like. I was going to say, yeah, shock. Just, she just wanted a kid. I was like <laughs> 16. And she gives you some tough love. That He's like, Sophie misses a goal. She's like, Sophie, why you missed that one? <laughs> but I remember the first <laughs> training. I remember the first training. We were doing like half court stuff or something. We were doing something. I love that you remember and this. I... Yeah, and I, <laughs> I I think it was you or Paige threw the ball and it falconed me in the face and I was so embarrassed. And <laughs> I then mean, I, Paige, she's stronger than me. <laughs> and then I fell over and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go sit down. I'm I was so like, I vomited at my first training session, so, so you've done all right. <laughs> a, falcon's, a falcon's easy. <laughs> I was actually saying a funny part about that though as well is that you stay with Anita obviously for that first time and then I think maybe the next time you came down, you came and stayed at our place and it was yeah, me, Maddie, Sarah and... Was it Sophie Garbin at the time staying yeah, together? Yeah, Sophie Garbin, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy to think that you came and stayed with us for those two little weeks. I remember seeing your phone and being like, you know, um, like I couldn't believe you had a boyfriend because you were like still in your t- – I was like, it was just like uh, this foreign world of being like, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, everything about you was just like she's so young and this is just so exciting. But to think that you've gone from that to now actually living in that house, is that sort of like a – I don't know, like a 360-degree moment or like I know, a full I was like, manifesting's real. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when I first stayed with you guys, I was like, I really want to do this and live here and, like, it would just be so cool and to stay with you guys was surreal. And I remember so Garvin played a prank on me. <laughs> I was just, Which one was it? <laughs> Which one was it? Like, there's multiple. <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing chemistry work at the table. Sorry, which sort of chemistry? <laughs> <laughs> It's writing my notes, writing my notes. And then I remember it was dark and then she was like, oh, she, <laughs> she came out and goes, do, do you want to go shoot hoops? And I'm thinking, oh, it's a bit dark, but like, whatever. She's, I don't, I don't know. She plays she's for the Swift. She's professional. She knows what she's doing. And then I was like, okay. And I started packing up my stuff. And she, I'm kidding. Like, we're not going to go shoot hoops. <laughs> but I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> we shoot three times a day, every day. <laughs> so, so much has happened in the last few years. Like your career has just like changed from what, as you said, one minute you're playing outdoors and the next minute you're running onto the SSN stage. <laughs> Hard question, but like, was there a point that you kind of remember as like grow, like you've had to grow up really fast. Do you remember like a turning point where you're like, I actually, like I'm doing this, this is real. Like I have responsibilities. I have to be a bit more of an adult now. I don't know. I feel like, well, since like moving up to Sydney, obviously that was a big change having to live by myself. Well, I had a housemate, but obviously like not having my family around 24 seven. And I feel like I was always on FaceTime to them. Um, and then going into training again, different experience um but I think like the first time that I was probably like wow like 
this is what I want to do and this is like I've made it was probably my debut when I was I remember I was like in goal shooter and I looked around and like all the crowd was cheering and I was like how cool is this <laughs> this is sick someone find me a moment a minute or a second or a millisecond from that debut where Sophie <laughs> isn't smiling it's insane I think she's a smile on her face the entire game it was so every photo because I was doing your media for that whole year. <laughs> Every photo we got, you were smiling. And you had some very cute moments captured on camera with Helen. How was it being on court with your idol all of a sudden? Or even just away from court at training stuff, knowing she's like a phone call away now. And that's real. That's your reality now. I know. I think it's so cool, especially growing up. Like you always idolise well, you girls and these players. And now to step out on court feels really special. And even like I was, it like hit me today even as well when we were sitting down talking about, um, like we were watching the Fever and Giants game and we were talking about like, oh, Sarah, when, you know, you're playing for Australia and, you know, representing your country. And they were just asking a question and I was like, whoa, I live with like <laughs> diamond players. How cool is that? And I play with yeah, them. Yeah, and but at training She and hasn't stuff, asked us like, to be a friend yet. <laughs> oh my god we're yeah, only teammates <laughs> so now we just assume we're Maddie Turner would you like to be my friend <laughs> now I have to say yes <laughs> but I even remember you at the start of this preseason when we were away for sorry at this season in preseason when we were away for one of our camps and we had to get up and share something and it actually took you a while to be able to say like we like you were sort of saying oh and you girls do this and you girls do that and it was like Sophie, like, you're in the team. Like, yeah. this is a we, not a you. Like, does it still sometimes feel like it's it's kind of not real? Yeah, definitely. I feel like before that camp as well, Helen had said to me, she was like, you still treat me like a fangirl. Like, you're part <laughs> of the team. And I think that's when I was like, oh, I actually am, like, part of the 10. Like, that's so bizarre to me because you always look at it from an outside and I like being with you girls and stuff. And I feel like I was always really shy too, like, when I first came in. So it was... Like, I feel like it still doesn't even hit me until we, like, get to do – until we, like, even do signings with kids and stuff and you see your face on the poster and you're like, whoa, this is, like, so bizarre. What am I so doing cool. here? I feel like I still relate to that. Like, I feel like that was, like, a picture of myself when I was, like, 13, 14 going to Thunderbirds games and lining up for signatures. And, if like, I'm, I remember still missing out on um, Nat Medhurst. She finished the – like, stop signing the person before me. And I was <laughs> devastated. So now I'm like, got to go to the extra effort, got to get to everyone sort of thing because I'm like, oh, my God, it just means so much when you're – that age and you don't think you can get to that it like kind of feels like it's a pedestal kind yeah. of spot so Nat Medhurst if you're listening give Maddie <laughs> Turner your signature ASAP so I think something that was really special was when you first played for the Swifts in a practice match your mum was able to be there um can you tell us a little bit about that when we went and played was it in Orin no it was in Goulburn in Goulburn sorry yeah I remember I got a uh, call from Anita so I like had just finished pre-season with you guys and then went back home um, and then she gave me a call and was like we're um, playing in Goulburn and we really want you to play and I remember like on the phone I was like whoa guys I get to play the Swifts like <laughs> oh my god and I remember like after it being like this might never happen again and like these girls are so cool um, and I think I threw I, went, I think I went on the court for like 15 minutes I threw away like Three balls, three out of the four balls I touched. Uh, the <laughs> and I was so nervous. Um, but no, it was so special that I actually got to um, play with you girls and have that experience and for mum to be able to see as well me in the red dress and, yeah. So with that being the only time your mum was able to see you play for the Swifts, I guess then going into your first game that you were with us after Sammy went down and, and not being able to have your mum there, I guess it's sort of it would have been a kind of a bittersweet year for you last year in terms of, you had the highest of highs of having your dreams come true of playing for the Swifts, but then obviously not being able to do it with your mum there. 
Can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, how you got through that? And I think that a lot of people, you know, we talk about the fact you had that smile on your face the whole game, yet you were going through the toughest thing that nobody should ever have to go through, let alone at your age. How were you able to be so strong? And I guess, you know, we go back to that family support and, and everything that kind of happened in that year. Um, but yeah, I guess you were an inspiration for so many people. So what was it that helped you get through that? And I guess how tough was it as well? Yeah, so... Uh so mum passed away in November 21 and I moved up to Sydney in January and I feel like that time before I moved was just so warped that it's like you don't even know the time frame of anything, how you got through things and you look back and you're just like, how did I ever do any of that kind of stuff? Um, so yeah, when I made the move, obviously that was you know, really hard without her, like a lot of big life changes um, and I feel like netball was a bit of my escape I feel like from everything that it was I could go to training and I didn't have to think about anything like I just got to be there and it was like oh when you get home you can deal with that stuff later um so and I feel like my debut like being asked to sit on the bench I remember after Bryony called me and asked me to sit on the bench and like my first initial reaction was a bit like oh that's a bit weird I'm replacing Tegan who's on the other end of the court to me <laughs> Am but, I playing whatever. <laughs> but I was like oh excited nonetheless and then I think like probably like an hour after that I like rang dad and was like crying and I was like I oh my gosh you're gonna start crying <laughs> but I rang dad and was like I could make my debut today and mum's not here and I think that was something that was really hard for me because she was such a netball fanatic and loved coming to training and loved watching the games, um, which I think, yeah, like you said, like looking back at that golden game that she got to see me play was so special and something in the moment you don't really think about. But then afterwards, it's definitely like those small things that mean the most. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit – so I rang – our manager then and I asked her if we could wear the black armbands for mum um, and she was like yes yes of course we can um, all that kind of stuff and then yeah it was really hard um, not to have her there and I think especially for my debut um, like obviously there's so many emotions you're so nervous so excited all these different factors like will I won't I make my debut um, and then running onto the court like again when you're in that space all you can think about is like netball and playing and all that kind of stuff but then I think like after the game like my whole family came down and then it was like just my dad and me and to know that mum wasn't there um I think it's really hard to know that she's always been my biggest fan and my biggest supporter and she's you know always said that she's gonna travel with the diamonds one day and she's gonna watch me play with the swifts and yeah I guess to look up in the crowd and not see her there's really hard I think, like, the support of, like, you girls and the group has just been amazing. I know, like, a lot a lot of the time before pre-season games when I guess it was sort of, like, starting to get real that I was in this space and that I could play and train with you girls and Bryony would always say to me before, like, don't worry, like, your mum's watching, we can feel her here, we know she's here, um, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that really calmed me down because it, like... If mum was going to be anywhere, it would be at that game. Like, <laughs> no matter hey, what, hey. she would have been there, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think, like, you girls are just so supportive of me, which I'm really grateful for. And I'm so lucky to be part of um, such a great, great team and great group of girls who, like, it's so nice that we're all friends, not on the court, but, like, off the court as well. Oh, I think, like, 
I think I speak for everyone in the team, like how amazing you are and how much you've done. And I feel like even off the court, like you've pushed yourself to become like an ambassador for ovarian cancer and you're only 19. Like that is incredible. Like I don't think you give yourself credit sometimes for how much you take on and how much you're doing for your mum. Um, and she would be so bloody proud of you. Can you tell us a little bit about the, so if people haven't seen on social media, there's a Camilla and Mark campaign going around that you've become, yeah, as Maddie said, an ambassador for. Um, yeah, can you tell everyone a little bit of what that's about um, and, yeah, how you kind of got into that as well? Yeah, so the Camilla and Mark campaign, they have um, an ovarian cancer, like, fundraiser campaign where basically every single thing that you buy from that campaign, tote bags, shirts, crewnecks, whatever, it all goes 100% to um, a lab um, which works on early detection tests for ovarian cancer um, because there is no test for it. So the way I got involved was um, back in September last year, UNSW did a story on me and basically my netball journey and, um, yeah, how it's been without mum and all that stuff. So I went to a lab and the professor who's the head of the lab is the leading scientist in the world who's like the closest to getting an early detection test into clinical trial. Um, So I met up with her, had a look at her lab and see what they do and, you know, how everything works, learnt learnt all about it, um, which was really cool. Um, And then she was telling me about um, how they're a part of the Camilla Mark Foundation and so all of their, again, like all of the proceeds made, and funds made from that campaign go straight to her so that she can help get this test into clinical trials. So that's sort of how I got involved. They reached out to me, um, Camilla and Mark reached out to me and just asked if they could do, you know, like a short video on me and like have my sisters involved as well. And so they did three other women and basically gave um, like an insight into their story of people, you know, living with ovarian cancer, those the families affected by ovarian cancer and just like the devastating impacts of it and how there's, you know, hardly any awareness about it. I just can't believe there's no test still. Like um, I guess we're going to go detail soon about like how your mum found out and things like that, but I just cannot believe that. I know. Sure. It feels so bizarre because like we all come from ovaries. We all have mothers, sisters, daughters, friends. Um, like 50% of the population has it and we still there's no test to see if you've got a cancer with it. So with that, I guess we are, I asked you last time as well, like, so how did your mum find out then that she had ovarian cancer if there is no test? And, yeah, same as what Mad said, I think we all, you know, the last time learnt so much from this and it almost made me ashamed that I didn't know enough about it but then also made me realise how big of an issue it is that if I don't know about it, there'd be so many people out there that don't. Um, and, again, it's so amazing what you've been doing. But can you, yeah, just tell us a little bit about how your mum found out and I guess her, her journey with it. Yeah, so mum, mum first found out, I guess it started, she had like a ulcer on her, um, well, she had an ulcer on her stomach. So I used to always lie on her tummy like after dinner or whatever, like when we're just lying on the couch and it got to a point where she was like, no, no, don't, I like I can't, like, it's too painful, all that kind of stuff. Um, so she went in um, and they found a cyst on her ovaries when they were having a look at the ulcer um, and they said, you know, it's no real danger, just, you know, we can get it removed, we can leave it, it doesn't really matter, it's not really bothering you. Um, and she was like, that was at the time of my nationals, so she was, don't worry about it, we'll, you know, we'll have a look at it later kind of thing. And then I guess just with life and netball and, you know, everything else, it just didn't really take a priority and wasn't bothering her so she just sort of forgot about it um and then one day her cyst burst 
and they she went to the doctors and they pretty much like had to open her up make sure everything was okay and there was nothing wrong with her and they found one cancer cell so they pretty much found it before even stage one basically so the rates of survival basically with ovarian cancer is if you find it in stage one your survival rate's 90 percent but if you find it most women i think it's yeah, like pretty much everyone's diagnosed in stages three and four and your survival rate's only 48%. So a very big difference and that's like surviving past five years. Um, so, yeah, so they put her on chemotherapy um, just as a precaution. Again, it was, you know, we found it before stage one, like we're so lucky, you'll be sweet. This is just a precaution to make sure it doesn't spread. Um, so she went through her eight weeks of chemotherapy and then had to go on for basically a scan and they were like, oh, yeah, your cancer's spread pretty much. Like we didn't think it was going to because obviously we found it before stage one, but it's spread. Um, so then they said, you know, again, not to worry. We're still in stage one. Let's put you on a trial. And so there's no treatment either. So she went on a clinical trial, um, for this cancer. So um, and the way the trials work because ovarian cancer is so aggressive is like, for example, three of us in the room could have ovarian cancer and there's three different trials. So I can qualify for trial A and Maddie Proud couldn't qualify for trial A, but Maddie Turner won't qualify for trial A. And then Proud, your the, your, tri- your cancer will develop a resistance to it and now you have to go to trial B. So it's pretty much like if your, um, you know, if your treatment doesn't work, it's very hard to find something else um to help you get through that I guess um so mum was put on a clinical trial and there was again three trials and she didn't qualify for the first two due to other health issues um and she was put on trial c so she started her treatment it's a 12 month long um trial again because she's clinical it's very much like oh we're just going to do like some experimenting like we'll increase your dosage whatever see how it looks so you get a checkup every three to four months um just to see how you're doing making sure the treatment's working um so for the first six months of mum's treatment it was all very you know your cancer's disappearing it's shrinking um we're really happy with it um and then again like her second last review it was oh your cancer has stayed the same but that's okay. Nothing to worry again. We'll just increase the dosage. Um, and then her final scan, they had found that she, um, her cancer had basically spread up to her lungs and the treatment had stopped working quite shortly after her previous scan. Um, and there was basically nothing that they could do for her. So they put her on like a, another clinical trial that they had, um, you know, sort of started developing but they were again it's not for ovarian cancer it's just for a general cancer and they were like we can try see if it works and mum was always so very positive and she was very much like whatever you can do just do it like I don't care um so she went on that trial but yeah unfortunately how many three months after she got put on that trial um she passed away so she was sort of given a time frame I guess to the doctor, well, she didn't want to know and she didn't want any of us kids to know, but she was telling the doctor, like, you can tell dad, whatever. Um, so the doctor had said to dad, like, she probably won't make it to February next year. She's very lucky to make it to Christmas, but, um, you know, just thought I'd let you know and we can still go ahead with this trial, but it's very, very unlikely to work. And he was like, didn't like, it's up to her. She, If she wants to do it, she can do it. And mum was like, yeah, I'm doing it. Um, and I 
that was sort of around the time of COVID as well. So we weren't allowed to go in with treatment with mum and she never wanted to tell us any of this kind of stuff. So it was always very, she was always very positive, like there is absolutely nothing to worry about and we're going to be okay. Um, and I think there was, yeah, there was like a time where she sat us down when her treatment hadn't worked and I knew something was wrong. So she was supposed to go into surgery um, and they had realised it had spread a lot further than they had anticipated. So she was supposed to be in surgery for like three hours or something and then they basically like opened her up and had a look and closed her back up again and we're like, there's too much, there's nothing we can do for you. Um, so I knew something was wrong because I was in Sydney at the same time as her but she was very adamant, no, nope, there's nothing wrong with me. Like there's just some concerns but I'm okay, I promise. Um, and then she sat us down and said like, guys – like she said, like rang the whole family and she was like, I just want to let you all know that my treatment has stopped working and the cancer has spread, but I promise like we're going to try another treatment and it's going to be okay. Um, and I feel like having her being so positive was always so good because I feel like you always think the worst and me being very curious, <laughs> I always want to know everything that's happening all the time, my FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd always be asking her a lot of questions and I think sometimes she'd get a bit irritated because she didn't like lying to us but she didn't want us to worry either and very much that she didn't want us to stop living our lives because of, um, you know, what was happening to her and she very much wanted us to still go out and hang with our friends, all that kind of stuff. And I think looking back in some way we're sort of grateful that she did do that because I feel like if she did tell us it would be very like no well I'm not going to Sydney now I'm gonna be with you I'm not going to school I'm not gonna hang out with my friends like I just want to spend as much time with you as I can um but she was I think she knows us very well so <laughs> that's exactly why she didn't tell us um yeah so that was basically her treatment process do you know why there's no treatment or why there's no detection tests? Like, is it a funding thing? Is it just the fact of the nature of the cancer? Like, is it... The patriarchy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just so underfunded. I think there's such a stigma around women's health and, um, you know, the reproductive system and there's just not enough education around it either. And I think there's just so many different things that take much more, of like of a priority, I guess, that they haven't really... Well, like, see, cancer can affect every part of your body, right? So I feel like all the funding has gone into different parts that are so deadly, but ovarian cancer is the, you know, it's the deadliest female cancer um, that you can have, basically. And they say 89% of people who report symptoms because there's no tests, they can't find out they've got ovarian cancer until it's too late. So 89% of people who report symptoms of ovarian cancer are still not diagnosed till stage four. Like it's, yeah, I think it's just such a sad statistic because again, like we all come from our mums <laughs> and we all come from ovaries and we still don't talk about it. So if you speak so well on this topic. Say, like, somehow you did it better. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's honestly like we forget we're in a room with little crazy quirky so and a doctor is here. Would you like to um, kind of, look into more of this ambassador role more and more as the like kind of the more you do and learn about it especially with because you're doing this kind of stuff in uni don't you you touch on kind of the yeah, ins yeah and outs. yeah would you like to kind of explore that idea away from netball <sighs> as well yeah definitely I think like I look up to Amy Parmenter and what she does with the tie-dye project a lot I think it's very inspirational what she's been able to do and the awareness that she raises about it like again I'd never heard of sarcoma until um I like was at the tie dye project doing 
all the volunteering with everyone. Um, but I think what she does is amazing and I would really like to do something like that and just help educate people because I do think that it's, yeah, people just don't talk about it enough, people don't know enough about it um, and we really should. All right, so thank you for sharing your story. Just tell us where we can go to um, help at the moment. Yes, you can go um, to the Camilla and Mark um Instagram page or their website um, to get a shirt or otherwise it's in my bio. If you click on my link tree, there's a um, link to go buy the shirts. So, yeah, 100% of the proceeds go straight to funding this early detection test. So hopefully they can get it in within the next three years. Well, so if I think we sort of joked earlier about recording this twice, but I think for you to actually be willing to go through, you know, it's obviously not an easy thing to talk about and for you to have been so willing to come back on the show for a second time and talk about it, it just does prove how inspiring you are and how much you do want to make a difference and how much you love the podcast. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just think that even just thinking about your debut and the way that we talk about you having that smile on your face, yet knowing what you were going through and knowing how hard that was for you, it just shows your character and yeah, we're just all so grateful to have you as a teammate as a friend but most importantly now as a role model to everybody else as well so you should be very proud and we know that your mum would be very proud as well so thank you for coming on again Quarter four and we are still joined by Sophie Thorns. Woo! Woo! All right, I'll woo myself. Um, Sorry, yeah, I, I, I wooed. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> Sophie chose to uh, stick around. Maybe it's because she all came in the same car with you guys, but who knows, we'll take it. And we're going to do our goals, obstructions and gains together. Sophie, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Start with your obstruction, please. Um, my obstruction is uh, my Camilla and Mark top still hasn't arrived. <laughs> So but I, we love them. Uh, we love them. We love them. Of course we do. That's but a I, great thing. But, <laughs> but I ordered my top, um, what would you say, three weeks ago now? And it still hasn't arrived. So, and everyone else has gotten their top. Don't know what's happened to mine. <laughs> Turner? Oh, I feel like mine's going to be the same as yours. It's re-recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love, I've loved every moment, Zoe. Don't worry. <laughs> but... Oh, the worst part about that whole situation was like I could just tell something was off because yeah. Lockie, like, so for starters, I had a bad feeling because again we'll talk about how good the episode was, but then when Lockie, so we as, again, performance coach Wilmot, um, we're still recording from Athletes Authority. Thank you. And this is in no way, shape, or form anything uh, at the detriment of <laughs> Athletes Authority. The technical issues were not from them; they were all ours. But anyway, when he had taken a long time to send it through, and I was like, he knows that I had asked for it sort of like early in the day, and blah blah blah, and then his like messages are like so. <laughs> We think we might have a problem. Um, yeah, anyway, it was just a really daunting time and I think I was at the lowest point in my career then. And the, the fact, I think it was like the amount that it affected me almost concerned me. Like it was so devastating. Lowest point in her career. Honestly, I considered just giving up on the podcast because like, there's, there's some podcast gods out there that just don't want this to happen. But alas, we are here. So I'm yes, calling foul play. That is my obstruction. And my other obstruction is I don't really want to have to relive this now and I'm getting – I'm sort of in one of these weird like what did I say on which podcast? But anyway, I've been having these sort of like night terrors slash nightmares um, where I've been waking up like screaming and there was maybe one instance where I was standing up in the corner of the room facing the corner, um, which has got Allegedly. Daniel very worried. Allegedly. We still don't have any proof, so I still think he's pulling my leg. But anyway, I've been having some, yeah, quite you know intense nightmares. Just haunted. And maybe it's ever since the podcast didn't come out. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that's been kind of scary. So that's my obstruction. My obstruction is actually not the podcast record. Um, it's quite simply, worse? yeah, it's quite oh, simply yesterday? the fact that I'm not Michael Jordan. 
And the context to that is we all went and saw Air last night and the stats at the end that just tell us how much money he makes. To be a professional basketball male in America (sighs) must be nice. (laughs) Must be be very nice. So my obstruction is that I don't rake in $400 a year. Mm. I actually thought your obstruction was going to be your pasta. My pasta? Last night. Just forgot. No, <gasps> it didn't really affect her. I feel like oh. she's happy. <laughs> that was, see, she's happy about it. It was actually quite funny. Yeah, yeah. we had two Uber Eats. <laughs> deliver- actually, we had one Uber Eats delivery order come for Sarah and I and it exploded all over the guy's little carry esky. And he was like looking at us going like, soz. And says and I like, yeah, sorry about it. And then we were like, why are we apologising? And then Sarah ordered again and it exploded again, but not to the same extent. So it was kind of edible the second time, but we were both like, WTF, I'm not Michael Jordan and my pasta is spilled. <laughs> anyway, so some more positive things. Gain. My gain this week is being on the podcast for a second time, not once and not but twice. <laughs> Guest so nice, we brought her back twice. <laughs> How many times can you say that? Oh, plenty. <laughs> um, my game was actually there was a point where I was like, do I order pasta with Sarah and Maddie? <laughs> and then I decided not to. And that was probably my f- like best move I've ever made <laughs> is not being in that sh- chamozzle. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we're such a food oriented podcast and i love it um my game's a bit of a cheesy one but i feel like oh, i cheesy. usually hey <laughs> cheesy pasta um i usually paint daniel in a bad light but i went to his awards night on wednesday night um and he won the steve war medal and it was Woo! just very nice he's had a rough you know couple of months with an injury and to be there and i just felt very nice things about him and um yeah it was just a really nice night but speaking about basketballers i'm putting you maddie but another, oh. another, <laughs> Um, also, could, wouldn't mind being a female cricketer because they got a very, very nice pay rise as well. So we need to lift uh, yes. the game, netball. Um, congrats, Daniel. Um, so my gain, um, I won't name names, but it comes from someone that rhymes with Megan Momanity. Um, and she sent a Snapchat, I'm sure you guys got it this week, and said that she matched with someone on Hinge and the conversation was talking about, um, like he was saying, I don't eat meat and they were talking about vegan restaurants. And she said, oh, my God, I know, like, Lowe's, like I'm a big foodie. I've got like plenty of ideas. And he was like, oh, like what are they? And she she suggested them. And then he, <laughs> he said, oh, I might try that next week. And just like- hey, Thanks, bye. Didn't invite her. <laughs> Did you not know that, Proud? <laughs> so shout out to, yeah, Legan O'Banasi. <laughs> um, so f- finish off with your goal, please. My goal is for <laughs> this episode to go viral. Woo! And it would have if it was the first one and it will when it's the second recording. We'll We're on a good, what's it, uphill because <laughs> Maddie Turner, Sarah and I made a TikTok and how many views has it got now? Oh, yeah, she's They're very happy about it. Basically this. TikTok famous, everyone. Um, my goal, I'm keeping mine from the previous week, was to outbake Sophie, which I have actually achieved. She's been doing well. Yeah. And when I said outbake, I just meant do it more times than she has, that, which I have done. <laughs> and I think Ali and Sarah were like, wow, how did we cash in so well I on know. this bit? Um, but I'm also a bit disappointed that you didn't use your other obstruction about the oil because I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, my God, story. I had forgot. Again, see, I keep forgetting what I've said. Okay, well, my goal can be to not do that again so I can tell the story. Okay. So <laughs> I had... <laughs> I had been to the shop and bought oil, which Maddie alluded to is quite expensive. Mm. Um, and I was making these toasted sandwiches. So I was so excited about them. I'd made us one each. As I also alluded to, it's not something that happens all the time because it's not always the woman that has to make the sandwich. <laughs> it just so happened to be that I wanted to make a toasted sandwich and made one for both of us. Anyway, then Dad had ordered the second one. So I made another ordered. one. Ordered. Or- oh, <laughs> no, didn't I say? No, I said wanted. 
I think he's I thought ordered. you said oh, ordered. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> so I said that back at our old place where I lived with the girls, I had this real tactic of when, you know, when you're toasting a sandwich and you need it to be like, squashed and because you're doing other things you're not just going to stand there and hold it the whole time so I used to put like a utensil jug thing on it that held it down it was a perfect amount of pressure anyway being in a new place don't have a utensil jug and I was like what's gonna work to hold down this ah the new bottle of oil anyway put it on yep we're all good for a few minutes and I'm walking around and then turn my back to it and smash the entire oil bottle all over the kitchen floor and if there's one thing that's a bitch to clean up it's oil. oil and glass and the combination of the two. So that's my goal is to not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> what a back end goal and I love it. <laughs> my goal is very simple. It's to buy something from Camilla and Mark. Yay! Oh, and have it arrive before you, you get yours. Yeah, <laughs> their shirts are actually um, being restocked ATM, but the crew necks are available on the tote bags. Noted. I'll get right on it. Um, Maddie Proud, can you please show Sophie Fawns her favourite part of the podcast and how it's done? I'm actually thinking we get Sophie to say it. <gasps> Stop. This oh is God. new. We didn't do this last week, guys. <laughs> She's Come on, you've got I'm up. nervous. She I'll, has I'll, I'll, I'll count you in. Three, two, one. Perfect podcast. Don't exist.